If you would turn in the scriptures to John, gospel account of John and the third chapter, John 3 and verse 3, John 3 and 3, we've been on a subject for some uh, weeks now that we're calling eternal life, eternal life. And we want to continue with that today. In our text here in verse 3, John 3, 3, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this could also be translated born from above. Born again, born from above. Look up the words and the phrases, not just in this verse, but these, you know, four or five verses through here. You'll see what I'm talking about. He's contrasting natural and spiritual. He's contrasting above and below. There is a natural birth. There is a spiritual birth. There is a birth from below. There is a birth from above. So he said... uh, Except a man be born again, that also is referring to born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Keep reading. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? You know, uh, this is Mother's Day, and um, it's amazing what God has done and how human beings come into the world through the womb, through the mother. Eve was named Eve, the first woman and first mother. And that name, part of the meaning of that name is um, the mother of all living, Adam said. The mother of all living. You know, sometimes people act like it's an unanswerable question to say, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which came first? People act like it's an unanswerable question. It's easy answer, the chicken. Easy, if you believe the Bible. Somebody said, well, well, where did the uh, chicken come from? God created the chicken. Where did the first human being come from? Was it uh, a seed and, and a conception or a mother which came first, the mother or the baby? Well, the mother. God created Adam and Eve, and Eve was the first mother to conceive. And one reason we're talking about this is because what happens in the first birth, or the natural birth, or the the birth from below, is a graphic picture of what happens in the spiritual birth. In the natural, we're born of water, but there's also a birth of spirit, out of the realm of spirit. Keep reading this, and you'll see that's what he gets into. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit. Everybody say, born of water and born of spirit. He said, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, this is... This is contrary 
to what billions of people on the planet believe. Billions believe there are ways to heaven other than this. But if you believe the Bible, if you believe what Jesus said, you cannot believe all these other religions because they don't agree. They're, they're contradictory. He said, you've got to be born again, born from above to see and enter into the kingdom of God, which includes going to heaven and being with God. He said, verse 6, marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. You must. It's not optional. <laughs> it's not optional. If you're going to be saved, if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, if you're going to heaven and be with God and be with saved people for eternity, you must, it's not optional, you must be born from above. You must be born not just a natural birth through a woman, a mother, you must be born of the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Born of the Spirit. He said, you must be born again. Keep reading, verse 8. The wind blows where it lists, and you hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell where it comes from, and you can't tell where it goes. Talking about the wind. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You can see the results of the wind blowing, but you don't see the wind. Somebody says, but man, do you see how hard the wind's blowing out there? Well, you don't actually see the wind. You see the leaves moving around. You see the branches on the trees moving around. But you didn't see the wind. And he said, that's the way the Holy Spirit is. You see the results of what the Spirit is doing, but you didn't see the Spirit. That, and everyone that is born of the Spirit is like this. Verse 9. Well, skip down to verse 14 for time's sake. Uh, every one of these verses are good. But uh, if I get to preaching on every one of them, you know, it'd take a long time. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Oh, thank God. Look at it again, verse 15, that whoever believes in him, this is also how you're born again. See, this is the same chapter, just three or four verses between what we just read and this. How are you born from above? How are you born again? You believe in and on Jesus, what he did, that he was born of a virgin, that he went to the cross, that he took upon himself the judgment for all of our sins, that he died, that he was raised from the dead, and he is the King of kings, Lord of lords, coming again. You believe that, you receive him as your Lord and Savior. When you do that, it is not just a mental activity. When you, from your heart, believe the good news, receive it, and receive Jesus and confess Jesus as your Lord, something amazing happens inside a human being. Old things pass away, and all things in spirit become new. You become a new creation. You're born 
again, you're born from above, not in the mental, not in the body, in the spirit, in the inner man. Again, this is not just a um, theological point, a doctrinal point that you assent to. This is a miracle that happens inside you. And you know it when it does. You know it. I remember when I was born again. I mean, I'll never forget it. My little brother had been in a motorcycle accident. He actually hit a truck head on with his motorcycle. And his head hit the bumper. Didn't have a helmet on. And uh, they rushed him to the emergency room and they thought for sure he, he wouldn't live long enough to even get him to the uh, doctor. But he did live. And so they rushed him to a larger hospital and, and uh, nobody thought he would survive, but he kept living. He kept living. Well, there was a woman whom an aunt of mine had become acquainted with who was a strong believer and she sent word to us My mom and and dad were not in church at that time. My grandmother took us kids to church, but my parents weren't going to church. And uh, this woman sent word to us that if we would believe God, he would heal my my brother. Well, that was, um, you know, man, we we wanted to believe it. And we heard it, and we did. We, We chose to pray and seek God that he would do that. Well, It was so amazing that in just a a, a day and a half time, not only did he not die, but he uh, awoke up and was fine. (laughs) uh, A day and a half, two days later, I was pushing him down the hall in a wheelchair. He could walk, but I was just pushing him. We were talking. Amazing. Later on, they found out when he was years later, he went to a chiropractor, and the chiropractor said, uh, what is the deal with your neck? He said, I don't know. He said, there is a healing. that Your neck has been broken. When was it broken? He said, I didn't know my neck had been broken. Well, it was broken in that wreck, but it was never caught and set. He said, it looks like a smooth weld. And that's not the way bones heal. They, they heal with calcium deposits around them. If God hadn't healed his neck, I guess he'd have died right there, you know, on the spot when they moved him. But anyway... We brought him home in just a few days. It absolutely is a miracle. Well, my grandmother, who's a strong believer, she sent word that she would like to see us. And her house was just not far from ours. And so my dad, my mom, myself, my little brother, we went up there. He was still had stitches and still was, you know, recovering in some ways. But my grandmother said, uh, God has healed our baby and spared our baby. I told him that if he would do that, you all would serve him. Did I lie? <laughs> and uh, my dad, I'll never forget it. He was standing there. He hung his head. He said, no, ma'am, you didn't lie. And that was a Saturday. Well, Sunday morning, we were all in church. And uh, when the pastor gave the altar call, my dad got up. And walked down the aisle. And when he did, I so loved my dad and respected him. I thought, well, if he needs to go, I bet I need to go too. I was just a boy. But I got up and I followed him to the altar and received Jesus. And um, it was not just a mental ascent 
something happened on the inside of me. Interestingly enough, one thing I really noticed was the next day, that was a Sunday, Monday, I'm back in school. I was in junior high. I'm back in school, and I looked around, and all the people that I thought I didn't like, I didn't dislike them anymore. The teachers I thought I didn't like, I thought, well, they're okay. And I didn't realize it, but see, the love of God had been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Not just a mental ascent, but a miracle inside. That's the new birth. That's the new creation. And that's the only way anybody gets into the kingdom of God in heaven. That's the only way people are going to go to heaven when they die. Keep reading. What we're in verse 15. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everybody say everlasting life. Everlasting, talking about eternal life. Oh, thank God. Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And nobody, Jesus said, comes to the Father except by him and through him. There is no salvation in any other name, the scripture says. In verse 36, if you look down towards the end of the chapter, he says it again for the third time. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. He that believes not the Son shall not see life. So will unbelievers have eternal life? According to Jesus, no. Will everybody be okay when this is all said and done? Do all beliefs eventually lead to the same place? No, they do not. No. Jesus said there's a broad way that leads to destruction. And there are multitudes that are going into it, and they're going off into destruction. And there's a straight and a narrow way that leads to life, and relatively few that find it. These are the words of Jesus. Now, people can make up things, and they can ignore the Bible, and in their effort to be all-inclusive and politically correct and not offend anybody, they can believe all kind of stuff, but it doesn't make it true. doesn't make it right. There's truth And there's the ramblings of men. Thank God for the Word of God. Thank God for the Bible. We have something solid. We don't have to guess. We don't have to speculate. The Word is true. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. You can, my friend, build your life on these words. It is a foundation that will not wash away. Thank you, Lord. You know, a fellow could preach in here this morning, could he? <laughs> Look with me in the fourth chapter. Chapter 4 and verse 5. Chapter 4 and verse 5, you'll see something else that goes, you know, we were just reading in chapter 3. This was not written in chapter and verse, so this all flows together. And we see immediately after Jesus saying, or soon I should say, after Jesus saying these things to Nicodemus, he has an encounter with a woman at the well of Samaria. And he's talking about some of the very same things. In the fourth chapter and the fifth verse, Jesus came to the city of Samaria 
which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There comes a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. Now you've got to remember, they didn't have plumbing in those days and city water and those kind of things like we do today. What you had was a well, a well that was dug deep into the ground to reach, you know, water. And then the way you got the water out was by drawing it out with buckets or with vessels. You would take a rope or some kind of apparatus and you would lower it down until you got to the water and then you would draw it up. And so it was laborious. I mean, everybody had to go to the well and they had to draw up water and then you carry it to the house. And so it was, uh, you know, really should make us appreciate turning on the tap. But uh, anyway, even though you're, Jesus is sitting on the well, he can't drink any water even though he's tired and thirsty. Why? Because you got to have something to get down in the well to, uh, to get the water out. Got to draw it out. Jesus' disciples were going away into the city to buy meat or food, we'd say. Then said the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, Prejudice is not a new thing. (laughs) It's been around from the beginning. And there was a big issue of prejudice between Jews and Samaritans. And one translation actually says it like this, that um, Jews don't use the same dishes as Samaritans. (laughs) Because he's talking about, you know, using her bucket or her vessel to draw some water out of. But Jesus didn't let that move him. He's focused on something else. We must not let ourselves get embroiled in the petty prejudices that are all around us. Now, you can get your feelings hurt. You can get mad anytime you want to. But we should focus on bigger issues. Shouldn't we? Uh, We should. It doesn't matter what your background is, who your people are, where you come from, your skin tone, all that kind of thing. What matters is the condition of your spirit. What matters, are you born again? Have you been born again? If somebody has been born again, then it doesn't make any difference if you're from a completely different country, a different color, different background. We're brothers. We're our brother and sister. But if your own family, mom and dad, brother and sister, haven't been born again, you're not spiritual family with them. So we should quit thinking in terms of external appearance and realize the the thing that makes you family is the blood of the Lamb, the new birth, being born again, being placed into the family of God. And if somebody has really believed on Jesus and received him and made him the Lord of their life, they are your brother, they are your sister, and you ought to act like it, you ought to think that way. So he said to her, if you knew the gift of God, hallelujah, 
You know, Romans talks about this in Romans 6. It said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Say it out loud, eternal life through Jesus Christ. Those are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. Eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God, what is the gift of God? And who is the gift of God? He is, Jesus is, the one she's talking to. He is the gift. And what he's offering her is what is procured through himself, which is eternal life. That's the gift. He's the gift. The eternal life is the gift. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Oh, somebody say living water. Living water. Living water. Hold your place right there and go over to the book of Revelation. You know, we've been reading our chapter. It's well known, in case you're, you're new to these parts, it is well known that everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. And we just started anew reading the New Testament through just here recently. And if you weren't aware of that, you can look online. There's actually a bookmark that you can, uh, can get. But we recently just read through Revelation And you'll see something here in this last chapter of the book, chapter 22, verse uh, 1 said, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Pure river, and it's not just water. It's life water, water of life. This water doesn't just make you wet. This water makes you alive. Pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. And it's proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, its origin Its source is God and Jesus, God the Father, and Jesus the Lamb himself. It originates, so it's coming out of them. And it's flowing. And he said, verse 2, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life. So you got a river of life, and you got a tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there will be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. This is not a fairy tale. This is not just a graphic representation of something else. This exists. We'll see it. We'll get to uh, wade into it, swim in it, (laughs) drink of it. Oh, somebody say glory to God and eat of it. 
Oh, thank God. And you'll notice that every one of these is not just water. It's not just a tree. It's not just fruit. It's water of life. It's tree of life. And it is, uh, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Bread of life, water of life. He said, you'll get a crown of life. What is this? It's all this eternal life that comes right out of God himself. It's the life that makes God alive. It's the power that gives God his existence. And now it gives you your existence if you're a believer. And it will never stop and end. We were singing earlier about the blood. Well, well, the great thing about the blood is the life is in the blood. <laughs> right? And the blood will never lose its power. What is its power? The life is the power. Why won't it ever lose its power? Because it's eternal life. It's e- Oh, glory to God. It's eternal life. What does that mean? It never weakens. It never diminishes. It never runs out. It never quits. We, we don't, we're not aware of anything in this life that is like that. Everything we know is born, dies, you build it up, then it runs out, then it runs down. But that's because of the curse and because of death. But with God, there is no death in God. Never has been. Never will be. There is no searching of his strength and understanding. He never gets faint. He never gets weary. He never runs down. He never runs out. And now, I and every believer, you, have been born of that same eternal spirit. And we have that same eternal life living in us through age after age after age. Glory to God. And on top of that, we have unfettered, unlimited access to the tree of life, to the river of life, to the throne of life, to the spirit of life. Oh, glory to God. Our future is very bright. Very bright. So with that in mind, go back to uh, John 4. And notice, what is Jesus talking about? He's sitting on the well. He's tired. He's thirsty. There's some nice, cool water down in this well. But he has no means of getting to it or getting it out. It is such a graphic picture. Human beings without God are starving. They are dying of thirst and hunger. And there is no means for the man or woman to get it themselves. Oh, but somebody came. Jesus came and got it for us. He is the way to the water. She said to him, you know, brought up the prejudice issue. But verse 10, he said, if you knew, if you knew, oh man, doesn't that ring in your spirit? If everybody worshiping false gods only knew, if everybody that say there is no God, if they only knew, if everybody who's so caught up in the mundane affairs of this life and they have no time for God, if they only 
new. The thing their parched soul is thirsting after is eternal life. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him. And he would have given you living water. Verse 11, the woman said to him, sir, you don't have anything to draw with and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Another uh, definition, if you look up the words of living water, would be like a spring versus stagnant still water. A living water is a bubbling, flowing spring and a flowing river. She said, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? See, she's still thinking naturally. He's talking spiritually. And we saw this back with Nicodemus in chapter 3. He was, Nicodemus said, can a man enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? He's thinking totally naturally. And Jesus is talking to him spiritually. And that is the big issue. Natural man just wants to focus on the natural and talk about the natural, but that's not where the answer is. That's not where the solution is. Man is spirit, and the greatest need of man is not natural, it's spiritual. Jesus answered and said to her, whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. We know that's true. No matter how good the water, no matter how much you drink, it doesn't last you for the rest of your life. You're going to get thirsty again. You're going to drink water again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. You know, the scripture brings this up again in the book of Revelation, that those that believe on Jesus, that'll be with him forever, that the heat won't be on them anymore. They'll never thirst again. They'll never hunger again. There'll be no sorrow, no pain, no crying, no dying. That's eternal life. Never again uncomfortable. Never again deficient. Never again needy. Never again weary, tired, decaying, dying. Never again. What we're doing right now is the shortest thing we'll ever do. And as soon as we're done with this, believers never experience it again. You know, I was, uh, the, the Lord quickened something to me this past week. I heard somebody saying this phrase. They said, well, you know, you only live once. You only live once. And when they said it, I, have you ever heard that phrase? Well, you only live once. When they said it, I don't know how many times I've heard that phrase. The Spirit of God spoke up inside me and said, that's wrong. That's wrong. Man, you, you got to watch about what you hear in the world. That's wrong. You only live once. And as soon as the Spirit of God said that to me, I remembered the scripture, you only die once. <laughs> you only die. You only live once for the believer. That's not true. At all. The truth is, for the believer, you only die once. Go to Hebrews, if you would, the ninth chapter. Hold your place 
in John 4 there. We're not quite done with that. But go to Hebrews 9 and 26. You getting stirred up about this? In Hebrews 9:26, it says, For then must Jesus often have suffered since the foundation of the world. He's talking about how that the priests of old every year brought the blood sacrifices to cover the sins of the people. And remembrance was made of the sin. And uh, it reveals that the reason the sins were remembered is because the blood of animals could not wash it away and could not cleanse the conscience from sin. So the blood of animals just covered it over and allowed God to bless until the next observation and year. You know, sometimes uh, people talk about the blood of Jesus covered their sins. That's not true. That's not accurate. The blood of Jesus didn't cover your sins. It has washed them away. Washed them away. Cleansed you from all unrighteousness. He said for, you know, but once in the end of the world, everybody say once, once. In the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Verse 27. For as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, verse 28, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Can you see he's mentioned once three times in these three verses? Once. The emphasis is once. You actually, in verse 27, you will hear people misquote this many times. You'll hear people say, the Bible said it's appointed unto man a time to die. And in their mind, they're thinking, you know, maybe it's September the 3rd at 3.45 in the afternoon, and that's your time, and when your number's up, you're going to go. That is not true. That's just simply untrue. The Bible reveals there are things you can do to shorten your life, and there are things you can do that can add years to your life and lengthen your life. It's not appointed unto man a time on the calendar and clock to die. It's appointed unto man once, once to die, and after this the judgment. And of course, that's if Jesus doesn't return beforehand. That's, you know, that's assuming that we live out our life before he returns. If he returns, we'll just be changed without that. And in verse uh, 28, it said, He was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Revelation talks about the second death. And it says those, talking about believers, that have part in the first resurrection that the second death has no power over them and that we will not be hurt of the second death. So this thing about you only live once is wrong. And you know, there's a whole mentality that goes with that. You only, you only go around once in life, so you've got to grab everything you can get. And, and, and people go through this uh, you know, midlife crisis and all these things, why? Well, my life is, is running out, and I don't know if I've done everything. Or I, no, this is not your only shot. People say, well, you, you believe in reincarnation? I'll come back maybe as an animal or something. No, 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 no. You only have to go through this life 
and physically die one time. Now, if you're not a believer, you're not done dying. If you're an unbeliever, you won't only die once, you'll die twice. And the second death is eternal death. And that's the thing to most be afraid of and most horrible thing that could happen to any human being. But those who have been born again, not that you only live once, you only die once, and you live forever, and the second death has no power on you. Are you glad about that, saint of God? Go back to the fourth chapter. Let's finish this in John. John 4. Jesus said, whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up. Now see, here you see that spring, that fountain of living waters springing up into everlasting life. Oh, thank God. We see the picture of it painted beautifully in uh, Revelation, pure as crystal, flowing out of the throne of God. It's flowing out of God himself. And now, in the believer, there's a direct connection between us and God the Father and God the Son. And that life, that water of life, that spirit of life is also in us. When you drink in of Jesus, now that water becomes a fountain inside each believer. He said, look at verse 14 again. He said, uh, the water I give him will be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And verse 15, the woman said, sir, give me this water. Now, you know, why didn't she just pass him off and go, ah, here's another religious nut, you know, just wanting to take up my time at the well. There was something about Jesus' words. There was something about what he was saying and his appearance and his person and his spirit as she listened to him and she heard what he said. I mean, her response is, I want it. I want it. Give me, give me this water so that I don't thirst again. And, and she's still mixing the natural with it. She says, and I won't ever have to come back and draw water anymore. I'll be saved a lot of work. She's mixing the natural with the spiritual. Go with me to the seventh chapter, 737. You see this keeps coming up over and over again. Eternal life, everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the life. I'm the bread of life. He's the water of life. There's the well of life. There's the river of life. In John 7:37, he said, in that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried and he said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. This you see at the very end of the book of Revelation, at the very end of the Bible, you'll see this again. Anybody that's thirsty, come, come and drink. This is the call from God, the creator, from Jesus, the savior, to every man and woman on the planet, to all of the nearly 8 billion all over the surface of this earth, the Lord is saying, I know you're thirsty. 
I know you're hungry. Even if they don't know it with their heads, their heart is crying out for something. That's why people get into so much sin. That's why they get into so many addictions and so many that they're looking for something to satisfy that thirst, to quench that need, to satisfy that hunger and that craving. And nothing will. Nothing natural ever can because it's not a natural hunger. It's a spiritual hunger. And he said, if anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. How many are fully persuaded? Everybody needs to come to him and drink. Everybody needs to come to Jesus and drink. Come to me and drink. Verse 38, he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly... Now, that's not just your stomach and your intestines. That's the core of your being. Out of the inner man, out of your belly, shall flow rivers, rivers of living water. Not only is Jesus the fountain of living waters, not only is the Father in Jesus the source of the rivers of living water, but now you and I are conduits for that water, and God intends that that same living water flow from him into us and actually out of us to bless others with words of life, with songs of life, with prayers of life, with actions of love and life, so that people that are hungry and dry and dried up and thirsty will taste of that living water that comes out of us and go, oh, that's it. Oh, that's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been looking for. And then they come to the source of living waters themselves. And they receive and believe on Jesus. And then out of their inner being spring up, oh, living well, comes fountains and rivers of living water. Hallelujah. He said, he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39, but this spoke he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Oh, but he has been glorified, and Jesus has ascended on high, and now the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and he has been given, and we who have received Jesus and have received the Holy Spirit, we experience this. And the more you yield to him, the more you experience rivers of living water flowing in, flowing through, flowing out. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.